This is the Nature of Cities podcast. This is the Nature of Cities, a podcast about cities as ecosystems of people, nature, and infrastructure. We believe that better cities are built for and by people with livability, resilience, sustainability, and justice as the principal drivers of design. The history of cities throughout civilization is also a history of storm sewers. Travel back in time to any dense settlement of humans, any place on Earth, and you're likely to find some evidence of a system for getting rid of rainwater. The Babylonians had one. The Romans had one. The Aztecs had one. Napoleonic Paris had one. And it's such a marvel of mid-19th century engineering that thousands of tourists still pay to explore its many miles of brick-vaulted tunnels every year. Despite five or six millennia of precedent, more and more cities are starting to rethink their relationship to stormwater here in the early decades of the 21st century. And though storm sewers continue to be one of the hallmarks of a modern hygienic city, the notion that rainwater needs to drain out of the urban landscape as soon as it falls from the sky is starting to seem like an old-fashioned idea for many urban planners and civil engineers. Enter the era of green infrastructure, of parks and gardens and green roofs designed to catch stormwater and put it to good use, providing city dwellers with new open spaces and urban ecosystems. In this podcast, we visit three different cities where local residents have worked either alone or with engineering experts to transform alleyways and sidewalks into living examples of innovative stormwater infrastructure, all the while building community through their efforts. Alleys today really aren't used. I think they're probably best known for car chases and cop series. And the vision that people see in those TV shows is relatively accurate, right? They're dumping grounds and just really underused and overlooked. Tori Chair is the program director at the Trust for Public Land in Los Angeles, California, where a pilot program is transforming a stretch of derelict alleyways into lush green public spaces that can soak up a lot of stormwater. We have a real problem with stormwater. Los Angeles doesn't get much rain. It doesn't rain here very much, but when it does, it really rains. So we get a lot of rain in a very short period of time. Right now, most of that rain ends up in storm sewers that quickly channel it out to sea. But the Trust for Public Land and its partners in the local Bureau of Sanitation have other plans for all that water, beginning with what they call the Avalon Green Alley Network in the South Park neighborhood of L.A., the first network, we are renovating completely two alley segments. In between those two alley segments, we will be able to capture over a million gallons of stormwater. That's a drop in the bucket for a sprawling city like Los Angeles, but it's a start. And it may also be the beginning of a massive new open space initiative for neighborhoods that currently lack access to very many parks and gardens. When we look at a city like Los Angeles, it's so densely populated. There's just very little fair space for places or 
places for people to play outdoors. And over the course of time, we realized that there's 900 linear miles of alleys in the city of Los Angeles. Turned an alley into a space that people could would want to go, and that's where this started. The redesigned alleys include new seating, interpretive signs, trees and planted areas, and permeable pavement that allows stormwater to seep into the soil or drain into special overflow wells deep below the ground. According to Tori Chair, community members were instrumental in shaping the project and bringing it to completion this summer. The community has played a central role in the Avalon Green Alley Network. And I think back to when we first started work in in the community, and it really was a community where there there was no neighborhood council. There just really wasn't any forum or space for people to go and meet each other and talk to each other and really talk about what, what their experience is and what's happening in the community. So now we have leaders who, um, who are part, participate in our green team, the Equipo Verde, and the green team includes community members like Sofia Hiron, who is someone who's lived in the community for a very long time, um, has children who attend local schools, and yet really just hadn't ever been engaged. Through this process, she's really become a leader, a mentor, just a a change agent. Meanwhile, on the outskirts of Sao Paulo in southern Brazil, architects are working with community leaders and city officials to create new sidewalks that simultaneously link disconnected communities and provide green strategies for managing stormwater. The bigger scale project is going to be built at the end of the year. It's this simple sidewalk that is um, going to connect three different neighborhoods um, in the outskirts of um, Sao Paulo, where the river is still um, meandering, so it's not canalized. Anna Deitch directs the Sao Paulo office of Davis Bordy Bond Architects, the firm charged with rethinking the relationship between pedestrian movement and the flow of water in this informal settlement outside the city center. It's in Jardim Pantanal. It's a big um, area that has been occupied illegally, um, quote-unquote, by poor communities in the um, east portion of the city. So the idea is to work with these communities and show them that you can talk to the um, public agencies about having these other features when they work with the infrastructure so that it becomes a more flexible, a more kind of nature-driven and person-driven infrastructure. From an engineering standpoint, the project is fairly straightforward. It's simply uh, a sidewalk that has drainage and retention of water capacity. Yet according to Deitch, the new pathways are about much more than just pedestrian movement, or even using green infrastructure to manage the heavy rains that often flood the area around Jardim Pantanal. The sidewalk is being designed by this artist called Regina Silveira. She's a big artist in Brazil. So it has much more a symbolic value than uh, a real infrastructure value. Right now, there's no, you know, people don't relate infrastructure to their lives. And I think these smaller projects, you know, they help make the connection. They also empower people to be able to talk to these agencies that are usually very, very closed. They're not open to any dialogue and they decide uh, about things and they just go and they come with the tractor and they do it. While residents of Sao Paulo are learning to work in partnership with city officials, 
In 2014, the people living near Parc Oxygène in Montreal, Canada, found themselves fighting City Hall to preserve the tiny green alleyway they had created near their homes. My name is Janice Asbury, and I currently live in the UK. And I'm a, an academic researcher now, but one very much focused on um, participatory action-oriented research. Before, I lived in Montreal for nearly 30 years and watched its evolution from a city that took more interest in its urban nature. Asbury recalls the founding of Parc Oxygène roughly 20 years ago. So the people who were living on Hutchison Street, uh, which is the street that Parc Oxygène led through to Park Avenue, were living in a housing co-op, generally had ideas about um, community and about what sort of city centre neighbourhood they wanted to live in. And they had a problem because there was a little alleyway running through the relatively small residential street of Hutchison to the quite large artery of Park Avenue. And drivers, primarily taxi drivers, were using as a shortcut. Parents and neighbours became quite concerned and they took matters into their, their own hands. And one night, in the middle of the night, they went out and essentially dug up the, the pavement, the tarmac, and they began planting it as a, as a garden, as a park. While Parc Oxygène grew wild with trees and shrubs and plants of all kinds, its tenure was never entirely secure. According to Asbury, the property remained privately owned throughout the alley's existence. In its early years, there wasn't so much pressure on land in Montreal. But as things started in the last decade, or there was you know, a lot more construction of, of new housing, and particularly of uh, the development of condominiums by, by developers. There were ongoing discussions with the city about whether it could be protected in some way. Though Parc Oxygène created a patch of biological diversity in the heart of the city and likely helped soak up stormwater in the neighborhood, city officials were reluctant to invest a reported half million Canadian dollars in buying up the land and preserving it as open space. In 2014, developers bulldozed the property and construction began on a new three-story residential building. I think there's still an idea that infrastructure is an engineering problem. Yet, as Anna Dietsch's work in Sao Paulo and the examples from Los Angeles and Montreal show, infrastructure, especially green stormwater infrastructure, is probably less of an engineering problem than maybe a community organizing or land rights problem. In Los Angeles, green stormwater infrastructure is turning out to be about much more than just plants and permeable pavement. I think what we're seeing with many of the women who participate in the green team is they're kind of finding their own power and understanding that they actually have a voice. They can ask their their leaders for safer streets or cleaner streets and people will respond. And even in the case of Parc Oxygène, local people never gave up on stewarding their little slice of open space together, even when the end was clearly near. After its original creation, it, it existed for about 20 years, and it never 
people never lost interest in it. It never became abandoned. Neighbors um, continued to be involved in looking after it, planting new things. In the end, it's probably easier to fall in love with a tree-lined alley or sidewalk than a storm drain. Then again, we'll always have the sewers of Paris. This is Philip Silva on The Nature of Cities. been listening to this is the nature of cities podcast produced by the nature of cities music by david maddox copyright 2016 the nature of cities all rights reserved for more information about this or other nature of cities productions or publications see the nature of